your people today as they go forth into their classes. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 3 for the adults. Praise God. <clears throat> Good to see everybody here today. Thank God. Thank God. Good to see a, a full house this morning. People come to hear the word of the Lord and worship God today. In Revelation chapter 3, we are going to look at the church of Laodicea, and that's going to be found beginning with verse 14. Laodicea, the church of Laodicea, the church where the people rule. Praise the Lord. Laodicea means the people rule. Well, that's completely out of order. You're supposed to rule in life, but uh, it's not supposed to be the congregation ruling in the house. It's an out-of-order situation. But that's the church of this last days, church where the people want to rule. I want God to rule. Chapter 3, verse 14 of the book of the Apocalypse, the book of Revelation. If you have it, say praise the Lord. All right, and under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans writes, and this was an actual church in this city called Laodicea, which is modern-day Turkey, uh, ancient Asia Minor, okay? So he says that this letter is to be written to the Laodiceans. These things saith the Amen. Say the Amen. The faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God. These are attributes or the workings of God through Jesus, of course. Verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for your awesome word today. Thank you for challenging us with it. Bless your people with it, God, we pray this morning. Amen. In Jesus' name be glorified. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let me go through these verses again and, and teach you a little bit here. 
Again, the church Laodicea means the people rule. This church is located between Colossae, the church of Colossae, Colossians in the New Testament was written to Colossae. Laodicea is, is in between Colossae and Areopolis. Areopolis, okay? In Colossae, you have water there that's very cold and pure water, and it's really, really good to drink. In Areopolis, on the other side, you have very hot, hot water, hot springs in Areopolis. And in between those two cities, you got Laodicea, geographically located. It is a very, very wealthy city. In fact, around 60 AD, an earthquake hit that place. And they literally rebuilt it by themselves with any outside help. Very wealthy city. But they have a handicap. And the handicap is a water supply. And so what happens is the water that they get, it travels either through aqueducts or it cascades from Areopolis over a cliff into Laodicea. Now, if the water came from Colossae, the cold water, by the time it got there, it warmed up and became lukewarm water. Okay? If the water came from Areopolis, the hot springs of Areopolis, either cascading down the cliff in front of Laodicea or through the aqueducts to the city, then by the time the hot water got there, it was also lukewarm. And when you drank lukewarm water, it would make you nauseous. Colossi's cold water was good. It would quench the thirst. It would wet the dry lips upon a person. Areopolis's water, the hot springs, is believed to have medicinal qualities to it. With that in mind... You're going to see some very powerful things in this chapter. So they were very wealthy, but they had a handicap concerning their water. It was lukewarm by the time it got to them. Not only were they wealthy, but they also produced their own black wool. A very beautiful, glossy black wool. They produced it themselves, and they also had silk. They had their own banking system. Okay, are you with me here? They also had their own medical school or medical college there. They also produced an eye salve that the world enjoyed. It was a powder. It was called Phrygian powder that they would put on their eyes. If their eyes were sore, they would put that eye salve and it would bring comfort to their eyes and also medicine to, to heal the eye. So having those things in mind, then we come to this chapter. And God takes the characteristics of this church in the geographical location of their day. And he preaches to us a message. Number one, he says to the Laodiceans, which means again the people ruling. God's not in charge. The fivefold ministry that he set up in the house to rule over the assembly. Uh, they basically have been, you know circumcised of their power uh, that church has made them eunuchs you know you know what I'm saying here 
so they become compromisers. But then he goes on and he says this. He says, I am the faithful, amen, and the faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. This church is a church that is not faithful. This church is a church that is not true to God. This church, as we read, it says, watch this. So then, all right, verse 15. I know thy works, and that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou art cold or hot. You're neither like Colossae, whose water is cold. You're neither like Areopolis, whose water is boiling hot. You are lukewarm. You are tepid. Just like the water that comes to you in the aqueducts, by the time it gets there, it's lukewarm. That's the way you are with God. You don't know God. You're not, you don't have the Spirit of God. You're not on fire for God. You're just somewhere in the middle. You have a profession of faith. It's a professing church that doesn't know God, that doesn't have the fire of the Spirit. You with me here? They're just lukewarm, and God says, because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. He said, I would that you were either cold or hot, but for sure not neutral. See, it's dangerous to be just a professor. It's dangerous to be sort of in between. You know, you know you can't go to the world because you know you'll be lost there. But you really don't want to give yourself completely to God and get on fire for God. So you're sort of standing in between. Just like Laodicea stood between those two cities. You're standing in between, you know, kind of wanting the world and kind of wanting God at the same time. But you cannot have both. If you try to hold on to both worlds, you will lose both of them. God said, Jesus said, he will spit us out of his mouth if we are the lukewarm person. Now, a cold person. How many cold people do I have in here? I have a brother in the church. I call him Brother Cold. <laughs> brother Cold say, praise the Lord. Yeah. <clears throat> I call him Brother Cold, you know. How many cold people? And I know you wouldn't want to lift your hand this morning if you are cold in your relationship to God. But maybe there's some people here today that are cold. Okay? To be cold means you are unmoved by the gospel. You're just not moved. You're just cold. You're not affected by it. Oh, well, maybe we got some people in here that are on fire for God. How many in here today is on fire for God? I'm going to tell you, I believe that there's more people on fire for God here this morning than there are that are cold. And I believe there are more people that are on fire for God in this church than there are lukewarm people in this church. Okay, so I know who I'm preaching to. I believe that with my heart. So anyway, the cold person is not moved by the gospel. I got a few people in here. And then we got some that are on fire. Man, they are boiling hot. They're like the hot springs of Areopolis. The cold person unmoved by the gospel. The lukewarm person 
is in between. They go to church. They have a form of godliness. They profess to be a Christian. They carry their Bibles to church, you know, big 40-pounder too. But all week long, God is not in their life. They only have an outward confession of faith. No fire, no spirit, no overcoming ability. Sin comes and conquers them. The flesh dominates them. The world appeals to them. That's the lukewarm Christian. And all of us know people that are like that. They say, I know Jesus. And got a beer bottle in their hand. Yeah. So these are just professors, but they don't have power in their life. They don't have victory in their life. And you for sure will not hear them praise. You won't hear worship coming out of that person's mouth. You won't hear them getting too excited, you know. You might see them sit down and give a little patty cake for Jesus. But you sure won't see them run around the church. You won't see them dancing. You won't hear them shouting. You won't hear them worshiping because, you know, they're just content. To kind of just have a little measure of it. And that's, don't get too radical. And you for sure won't see him in the prayer room. Before service. They'll make it right at the last minute. As soon as church doors open, man. They walk through the door. You know, they get there either at the last minute or they get there late. That tells me the priority is not right. Oh, you don't want me to preach, do you? you want me to? <laughs> See what I'm saying? They don't have no compulsion or no drive in them to pray and to fast and to seek God and to worship God. They, sh they won't witness. They don't have a witness. They won't tell anybody about God. They want to live in sin secretly and then come to church and claim to know Jesus. I think that they are really a lot like the church today in America. <laughs> and so the Lord took this church and he said, look at their geographical location in between the cotton hold. The, the cotton hold, yeah. <laughs> the cold and the hot. <laughs> you know, somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah, that's what y'all do to me. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, I would that you were cold or hot. He said, I don't want you in between. He said, you know what? If, if you're not going to walk with me, just go out there and be cold. You with me? He would rather you be cold, all right, not professing Christianity and knowing where you are, that you're living in a life of sin. Because then we can reach you possibly. And we can stir you possibly because you know you're not right. But if you're not right and act like you're right, then we've got a problem because it's hard to reach the hypocrite. It's hard to reach somebody that plays the part that doesn't have the reality of it. Come on, somebody here this morning. And a lot of this 
a lot of this lukewarm neutral stuff that people are in is because there's no fire in the pulpit. And because there's no fire in the pulpit, there's no fire in the pew. Because they're cold in the pulpit, they're cold in the pew. Because they're lukewarm in the pulpit, they're lukewarm in the pew. So it starts here. But if you go to a church where the pulpit's on fire, and you're not on fire, then the problem is not with the pulpit, the problem is with you. And for the most part, that's human nature. Human nature kind of likes it lukewarm. You know, not too cold, not too hot. Just, we lack that comfort zone, you know. That's human nature. Man, I've got to shake myself. I'm not preaching down to you this morning. I've got to shake myself, man. I, I've got to stay on fire. I've got to stay close to God. Because if I don't, I'll get lukewarm. And so, again, the cold person, not moved by the gospel. Lukewarm person, profession, but kind of neutral in between. And then the hot Christian. They're on fire. They bring healing to the sinner like the hot springs of Areopolis. They bring healing to the sinner. Come on. And they give water to the thirsty. And the thirsty man receives the water of the Spirit of the living God in his life. See, I think that's also the reason why the Lord says this. He said, I would that you were the cold or hot. He said, I wish you would bring medicinal qualities to your community and heal the sinner. And I would, would that you were cold because then you could give water to the thirsty, dry, parched lips of humanity by your witness and your testimony. But because you don't affect your community, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's heavy. That's powerful, isn't it? The God would talk like that. He said, I'm just going to vomit you. See, that makes God sick. Lukewarm Christianity makes Jesus absolutely nauseous. Makes him want to just puke. Just throw that person out. Come on, somebody. But I got good news for you. If you're lukewarm today, you can get back on fire. Because in this same same church he says repent you can change you can repent you can get on fire you can get your prayer life back you can get your worship back you can get your witness back you can get your fire back you can get your commitment back you don't have to stay neutral you don't have to be spit out of his mouth and I'm thankful for that. And he goes, there, he goes on because thou sayest. Now look at this. Jesus says they're lukewarm. He walks right in the midst of that church. I'm telling you. They got the big programs. They got the money. But they don't have the spirit. And they don't have the fire. And the move of God in their midst. Just profession. Just a shell. Amen. Have y'all ever seen those locusts, you know, that come out a certain time of year? And you go look on a tree and you see the shell of that locust and the locust's not in there. 
no substance to it. I'm saying just a shell, but it looks like a locust outwardly, but there's no substance inside of the shell. The substance is gone. And that's what he's saying. It's a church that's just a shell. There's no substance there. There's no fire. There's no life. There's no, there's no light. There's no witness. There's no influence. The world has overcome them. And they've got the wealth. They've got the riches. They've got the programs, man. But they don't have the spirit. Just professing Christianity. Because thou sayest I'm rich. So they're wealthy. They got their own banking system. Got lots of money. Lots of money. But they're not using it for the kingdom. They're like America. The American church has lots of money. Some of you are saying, well, I can hear you right now. You're saying, but pastor, I'm poor. Friend, everybody in this church lives like a king in comparison you know what? Most of you live like a king. You live like King David. I don't care how poor you are. You got your own house. You got running water in your house. You got a stove to cook on. You got a bed to sleep in. You got heat and air conditioned environment. You have things King David didn't have. The American church is a wealthy church, but it doesn't use its wealth for the kingdom of God. It uses it only upon itself. And that's what the Lord said. They say they're rich. No, he says they're not rich in me. They got material goods, but they don't walk with me. They don't use the material goods to expand my kingdom with. Are you here today? It's like, well, what's God going to do for me? That's the mentality, especially of American church. What's God going to do for me? Wonder, wonder how God's going to bless me this morning when I go to church. Oh, come on, somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not, God's not preaching against riches. He's not preaching against wealth. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have wealth. But he doesn't want you to have wealth just for you. He wants you to have wealth for his kingdom. He wants you to be a conduit. He wants you to be an aqueduct like flowed through Laodicea to bring that water. He wants you to, in me to be a conduit, an aqueduct that the blessings of God can flow through. The wealth of God can flow through. And if you're a conduit. Or you're an aqueduct. You can't help from getting wet if the water's flowing through you. You can't help from being blessed when you allow God's kingdom finance to flow through your conduit. You can't help from getting wet. He wants to bless you. But he wants you to bless his kingdom. So they were very wealthy. So they say they're rich. And increased with goods. America, man. Are y'all awake? And have need of nothing. That was their own estimation. See, it's very, very uh, difficult to judge your own relationship. Amen? It's very difficult for all of us 
Because I guarantee you, there's some lukewarm people here today that think they're on fire. There's some people in here that say, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But they don't know. That's what they're saying. But they don't know. They're blind. They're wretched. They're miserable. They're naked. So I'm saying, it's very difficult for you to judge where you are today. It takes an outside source to look at you and say, no, 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 no. You're not where you need to be in God. And, and you know what? We got so much pride in America that we don't want any preacher standing up and pointing a finger at us and telling us that we're not where we need to be. Because we look at ourselves and say, we're rich and we're increased with goods and we have need of nothing. We're right where we need to be. And then a preacher stands up the anointing of God and says, you're not where you need to be. And it makes people mad in America. They don't like that kind of message. If you get in the fire, come on, then you won't get burned, man. Just get in there. Hallelujah. I mean, it's just, you jump in the fire with a preacher, praise God, you won't get offended. get offended see the only time you're going to get offended is as a preacher comes or let's just say the Lord walks through your house and says you think you're something but you're not you're just lukewarm and who can determine who can say that we're on fire as a church we think they are I think we are but can I say that for sure how does God look at us? He might come here and say, no, you're just lukewarm. You think you're radical and you think you're on fire. You have an outward, outward display that you are. But let me tell you the truth. You're full of the world. You're full of pride. You're full of self. It's all about you. It's not about the kingdom. It's about me. And what God's going to do for me. And don't go my way. You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to jump on you this morning. I'm just preaching you the word today. And all of us can get in that place, including me. And I, yeah, including me. And I know that. So you got to constantly shake yourself. Stir yourself. They say they're rich. And increase good, have needed nothing. And knowest not thou are wretched. Wretched. Man, that's a heavy word. That's, that's, you know, that's big time. You're wretched and miserable. Hmm. How many miserable Pentecostals we have? Miserable. You know what? There ain't no way you could have joy and victory this morning. Living halfway for Jesus. I feel the Holy. You're miserable in your house. You're miserable in your relationships at home. You're miserable on your job. Because you cannot have joy and victory in your life. Being halfway for God. You can't have a good home life. By being lukewarm in God's kingdom. 
You can't have a good work situation if you're lukewarm for Jesus. But only misery. And misery loves company. We love to get together and say, oh, poor me. Oh, poor me. Poor me. Suck our thumbs. Take our, get our bottles. Pacifiers. Oh, God, the pastor, he's so mean. Oh, oh, oh. I'm just so miserable. I have such a hard time. Wish he'd give me an encouraging word. I am. Get on fire. Get on fire. Get full of the Holy Ghost. And your home life will change. Get full of the Holy Ghost. And your church life will change. Get full of the Holy Ghost. And your work relationship will change. That's what you need. I'm encouraging you today. I'm telling you to get back on fire. Shout it back to me. Say, get on fire, Pastor. People are miserable because they're not on fire for God. They got sin in their life. They don't want to quit. They don't want to give it up. And they wonder why they don't have no fire and no power and no spirit anointing in their life. God's explaining to them why they're in the condition that they're in. Hey, friend, there ain't nobody that's not on fire for God that's going to bring their tithes and offerings. There ain't nobody that's not on fire for God that'll be in church this morning. You got to be on fire for God to bring your tithes and offerings. You got to be on fire for God to come to the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning. You're going to be on fire for God to be in a prayer life. If you're not on fire, you won't pray. If you're not on fire, you won't worship. If you're not on fire, you won't give. If you're not on fire, you're miserable. And looking at all the things that you think's making you miserable. Your husband, your wife, your children, people, things, situations, circumstances. And you're saying, that's what's making me miserable. God said, what's making you miserable is because you're not on fire for God. You just get on fire for God. You just get full of the Holy Ghost, praise God. You get baptized in his name. And you go forth like a mighty firebrand in the hand of God. You won't be miserable anymore. You won't be. You start feeling down and dumps, discouraged and depressed. You know what you need to do? Go do something for somebody. Do something for the kingdom of God. 
Go witness to somebody. Go tell somebody about Jesus. Don't sit there in your misery. Don't sit there. Are you here today? Come on. I said break out of that stuff. When you come to church, don't stand there. Don't sit there on neutral ground. Move. When the gospel goes forth, respond to it. Somebody asked me not long ago, I said, does it bother you when those people get around you when you're preaching and they're just going crazy and oh, praising God right there in the front? I said, no, I kind of like it. They said, they said, yeah, we notice you looking at them at the side of your eye, you know, like you know they're there. Does that bother? No, it doesn't bother me, man. We need some people that are on fire for God. We need people that are inspired and moved when the word is preached. We don't need pew setters. We need wires. People that are on fire. On fire for God. They were so on fire for God in, those early, in that early church. They, they put him to death. Because those people had so much of a fire and the Spirit of God on their life. They put the whole world under conviction. Their life put the world under conviction. Challenge their world. And the world didn't know what to do with them. So the world said, we got to put out that fire. We got to kill you. We can't handle that kind of radical faith and commitment and devotion. I don't see them coming knocking down my door. Come get me. Put me in jail. I hadn't heard none of you called me lately. Said, hey, pastor, I'm in jail because I'm preaching out here on the street. I'm in jail. Or I lost this because I'm you know, on fire for God. Are you here today? Woo! Praise God! And this church, I'm telling you, apostolic Pentecostal churches need this message probably more than the professing church does. Because you tasted it, man. You know what it's like to walk close to God, be on fire. So this is Jesus talking to you this morning, not just me. This is the Word of God talking to you today. Brother Cardoza's on the radio this morning. He is talking about oneness of God, oneness of God, <clears throat> bringing out scriptures on the oneness of God. And my wife said, he's probably, people calling him right now, debating him on the oneness of God. I said, that, man, you know what? I said, he's shaking it up too, isn't he? Hallelujah. <laughs> Why shake it up, brother? Why don't you just go sit there in the radio station and play your little music and not make waves and not shake anything up because there's something like a fire. Jeremiah said it was like a fire shut up in my bones. A fire shut up in my bones. And I grew weary or miserable in forbearing and quenching it and holding it back not letting it consume me 
You'll wear yourself out quenching God. You'll wear yourself out quenching the Spirit. You'll wear yourself out. But Jeremiah said it like fire. Shut up in my bones. He knew they weren't going to listen. He knew he was preaching to a bunch of religious people in Israel. But he said, God put a fire in me. He said, I've got to preach it. I've got to preach it. Even if people don't want to hear it, I've still got to preach it. Even if I'm rejected by men. I'm talking about you too. Rejected by men. You still got to be on fire. See, you get two weak people together. You get two weak people together and they'll compromise. That's right. They'll cross over and say, okay, yeah, okay, I'll go with you. Uh, you go with me. And so they'll compromise. You get two weak people together. But the strong should never condescend to the weak as far as, listen to me, giving up what they believe to be with them. The strong is supposed to always call people to a place they've never been. If there's no man or no woman ever calling people to where they've never been. Then they'll be lost and they'll be destroyed just like in the days of Jeremiah. So you're called to be a bright light on fire. Brand in the hands of God. Fire shut up in your bones. And I know and I understand that all of us at times need encouragement. And all of us need to be prayed for. I understand that. I do. But listen. Your lifestyle should not be a habitual lukewarm. Every time we come to church, you should need to be primed. Every time you come to church, you should not be in need of deliverance. Every time you come into the house of God, the devil should not be conquering you. You should be so on fire. The devil doesn't know what to do with you anymore. And I thank God for some of the new ones that are coming right now. They're going to be, I'm telling you with time, they're going to be radical for Jesus. They're going to be something. They're going to be something, man. But the only way they can become that is if they've got somebody that's a reflection. Somebody that's living it. Some church person. Not just a preacher on fire. But some church person that's on fire with the Spirit of God. And then they'll look at you and they'll say, you know what? That's what I'm supposed to be like. I'm supposed to become that. I've been brought up in a lukewarm professing religion all of my life. But this is real Christianity. It's where God moves. And please don't come in here. And I know you're going to hear some good things this morning. But throw your notepads aside. Throw them aside. Get in the house. Get in the worship. Get in the praise. You can get the tape and take notes. You can be distracted by that. Don't be distracted by anything. Get on fire. Let God's spirit move in you today. 
Hallelujah. He said, No, it's not that rich and miserable and poor. Poor? The wealthy poor? The rich man poor? Yeah, you can be wealthy as a church and rich as a church, but poor at the same time because you're not on fire for God. You just got a profession. I don't have time, but I wish I had time really to go through the Word of God and explain to you what coldness is from the Word of God's perspective and explain to you what lukewarmness is from the Word of God's perspective and explain to you what on fire is from the Word of God's, uh, 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 the Word of God's, what? Perspective. And if you were to get that, it'd change your life, but I don't have time for that. You said it for yourself. Get on fire for yourself. Amen. You see, they're poor, but they're rich materially. It's America, man. The American church. Just call it. Just say it. Yeah. Just say it. It's us. Praise God. Praise God. We, we love to say that. Well, we, we must be doing pretty good in God. Because look at our new house, look at our new car, look at, we're getting promoted on our job. God said, you say you're rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing, but you're wretched. You're using the wrong thing to measure the spiritual. And yes, I believe God wants to bless his people, but you can have all kinds of stuff. And God said, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Because you don't have a relationship with me anymore. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> Material wealth is the measure of most things in America. Even the church people measure it. Measure. Well, they must be really on fire for God. God's blessing their life. Look. Oh, really? Wealth doesn't mean you're blessed of God. Can mean, but does it not necessarily mean that you're where we need to be in God? You can be a poor. You can be poor as a church mice. But God say you're rich. You might live in an outhouse, but have a walk with God that shakes the kingdom of hell. You can live in an outhouse and have so much God's power and His Spirit and His fire. You shake hell. You shake kingdoms. You affect your world. Glory to Jesus. I'm glad today that we can all become that. Devil, devil stomping, hell shaking. Men and women of God. Tongue talking, one God. Jesus' name, hell shaking, devil stomping. I'm, 
I, I, I used to be a Lutheran, can you tell? <laughs> Hallelujah. If God can take a Lutheran boy and set him on fire. I wasn't raised in this. God got a hold of me. Religion didn't get a hold of me. God got a hold of me. I didn't change my religion. God got a hold of me. Then he says, you're blind. That's an oxymoron, man. It's an oxymoron. How can these people be blind when they are the distributors of ISAV throughout the world, medicine to heal the eye? How can they be blind? They see physically, but they don't have the ability to perceive the spirit. They have no spiritual discernment. They have no spiritual perception. They don't even know where they are. If they don't know where they are, how they can even judge where the world is. They have no spiritual perception in their life. Strange, isn't it? He goes on and says, anoint your eyes with eyes, self. Get a revelation of Jesus. Get anointed. Get anointed. If you'll get anointed, your eyes will see things in the spirit. Get anointed. Anoint your eyes with eyes of the spirit. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Let God, Jesus, look through those eyes. And then naked, oxymoron, naked. How can you be naked, Laodiceans, when you produce your own black glossy wool in that part of the world and you've got linen in your land? How can God say that you're naked? You wear the best clothes in the world. You've got the best materials in the world. The finest name brand clothes in the world. You ship it all over the world. But you're naked, saith God. What an oxymoron. What a contradiction of terms for Jesus to say, these people who have the finest garments in the world, they're naked. To these people who have eyes have to say they're blind. Come on. To these people who are wealthy material to say you're poor. Why? Because you're lukewarm. God doesn't care if you wear nice clothes. Come on, somebody. He don't care if you have wealth. He don't care about that. He wants to bless you. The problem is you can have all of that and not have a relationship with God. 
all that stuff, it'll never make you happy. It's never going to bring joy. It's only going to bring misery to your life. Keep getting, getting more and more and more and finding out we're more miserable and more miserable all the time. It's a lie, man. It doesn't produce what it promises. You're fed a lie through the media, through advertisement every day. The advertiser said, you get this and you'll be happy. You get that and look at the credit card bill. You say to yourself, if I can just get so-and-so in my life. Oh, look at that movie star. Woo, better he in my life. Woo, he was in my life. Woo, man. Yeah. You get him, and then you got him. You know, you want him so bad. And I talk to people sometimes, I say, well, you wanted him, you got him. You wanted him, you got it. Praise the Lord. You wanted her, you got her, baby. Yeah. No person and no thing can ever be what you're looking for. What you're looking for in life is a relationship with God. What you're looking for is to be on fire, to be used in his kingdom, to be blessed for his service. And when he does bless your life with all those other things, he adds to you those things after you first sought the kingdom of God. Then it will bring true what it really, you see, see it for what it really is. I have I pastor some singles here. They say, man, I just need me a man. I'll tell them, no, you don't. I say, you don't need a man. Take it from me. I'm a man. You don't need a man. They are messed up creatures, man. I got an amen finally from Sister Gloria back there. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, brother Ricky, don't turn around. I've been waiting for the hit the button that would cause her to praise the Lord. That's <laughs> all it took, man. You don't need a man. The only man you need is God, Jesus. You need that man. You get that man in your life, whether you be male or female, you get a relationship with the last Adam. You get intimate with him. Don't just try to court him in a lukewarm place. Don't just court him. Don't just date him. Get intimate with him. Get in the most holy place. Get in bed with him. Get on fire. Get passionate. Get passionate. Get passionate. I'm looking for a little passion in my life. I'm looking for a little heat in my life. I'm telling you how to get the right kind. Get passionate for Jesus. Get intimate with Jesus. Don't date him. Don't, you know, huh? well, come visit me. No, uh-uh. he don't want to just visit you, man. Okay. Well, you'll see that in Revelation 4. We'll talk about it. Women, women don't like lukewarm men. Oh, oh, it got quiet. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
And I guarantee you, men don't like lukewarm women. And Jesus is a man. He's a man's man. Now, come on, somebody. I, I, I got to stay spiritual here. But, you know, he uses those terms. You don't believe it? Read the Song of Solomon. He's looking for passion. He's looking for fire. He's looking for intimacy. He don't want a lukewarm bride. He don't want a cold bride. He wants a woman that's passionate. Praise God. He don't want one that says, I got a headache. He don't want a woman that say, I don't feel good, so I ain't going to church today. He don't need a woman like that. He said, oh, yeah. He wants a woman. It don't matter. She feels good, bad, not, doesn't matter. Headache, no headache, whatever. Come on, I'm going to have a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to get on fire. I'm going to get passionate this morning. He don't need a woman that just has her certain time, you know, which she's fired up and passionate. He wants a woman that's fired up and ready to go all the time, man. Anytime, let's go anytime. Any place will do. Oh. Getting a little hot in here now, ain't it? Yeah, loosen your ties up. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. He gave the relationship of the man and the woman in this earth to depict the things of the Spirit. To show you the kind of relationship that he wants with his bride, the church. I can already tell this is going to be a two-parter. There ain't no way I can finish this morning. Holy, Holy Ghost took over this morning. Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Lift your hands and praise him. Praise God. God, pour out your spirit. Lord God Almighty. Right now, Lord. You're awesome. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Praise God. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you, man. Martha in the kitchen, working hard to prepare him food to eat. Pots and pans clanging. Glasses breaking. She walks up there to Jesus and Mary sitting at his feet. 
Why won't she help me? Jesus says, Martha, Martha. You are cumbered about with many things. But Mary has desired that better part. She wants a fellowship with me. She wants a relationship with me. A better part. So we get so busy for God that the passion's gone. We, go, we learn how to go through the motions. We've learned how to put sermons together in America. We know, we know point one, point two, point three. We know how to do it. We know how as Pentecostals to come to church and act Pentecostal. We've learned how to speak in tongues in certain cases. We've learned how to do that. And it's not the Spirit of God. It's us. We've learned the role. We've learned to play the part. And the Lord is in this place right now. And He wants a relationship. He wants to know you. He wants you to be passionate for Him. He wants your heart to be on fire for Him. He wants you to be like a newlywed. Like somebody that can't see the other person enough when you see them setting together you don't see them the man on one side and the woman on the other side they've been you can tell they've been married a while amen you can tell they've been married a while when the man sits on this side of the booth and the woman sits on the other side of the booth but I guarantee you, you got somebody that's newly acquainted or you got a newlywed situation, you know what they're doing? She's on, she's, I'm talking about in public. She's not sitting across the booth. She's sitting right beside him. And she might be sitting in his lap. I'm talking about public. They don't care who's looking. They could care less because they're passionate for each other. The distance is gone. The Lord is saying the distance. There's distance here. I want to come back together with you. I want to know you. And this is going to blow your mind. This is the seventh church. And this is a picture of the last Adam and his bride coming together in intimacy in the kingdom age. And you're going to see it before I get through with this verse. This chapter. I got a few more minutes, so I'm going to share a few things with you. How many of you love Jesus right now? <clears throat> he said, I counsel thee by me, go try it in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. And white raiment, get rid of the black stuff, the, the wool. Get that white raiment, the, the, the garment of the, of the bride, the, the garment of the wife. Thou mayest be clothed at the shame of thy nakedness. Do not appear. Did you catch that? This is the seventh church. He says, 
and anoint thine eyes with eyes, Seth, that thou mayest see. Say, see. See what? See your nakedness, yes. But don't just see your nakedness. See how that nakedness got covered. Adam and Eve saw that they were naked on the seventh day. They needed clothing on the seventh day. And God killed an animal and clothed them. How did my nakedness get clothed? He's telling this church, you need to see how your nakedness got clothed. You need to recognize that you are naked. And then you need to see how I clothed that nakedness that came into the world on the seventh day. Are you here today? He says this. As many as I love, I rebuke. Yeah, isn't that good? Praise the Lord. As many as I love, I rebuke. That's beautiful. Aren't you glad that he rebukes you sometime? Aren't you glad that he loves you enough to shake you up a little bit? Aren't you glad today that he loves you enough to rebuke you? As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Love has a rebuke to it. Love is not a passivity. Love has its rebuke. And he says also, I chasten. And he said, be zealous. The word zealous means be on fire. Don't, don't, don't go up there and just say, well, Jesus, I really, really don't really want to repent, but they kind of made me. And so here I am, Lord. I'm forced to repent. I really want that anyway. No, he said, be zealous to repent. Run to the altar. Run to the altar to get right. Run to the altar to get on fire. Run to the altar to renew that relationship. Run to the altar. If you're not where you need to be today, run to the altar today. If you're naked, get clothed today. Run to the altar. If you can't see, run to the altar. Get anointed if you don't. If you don't have fire in you today for Jesus, passion for Jesus, get to an altar. Be zealous about it. Don't be lukewarm about your repentance. He says. Be quick to repent. Be zealous to repent. I remember. And I'm, I'm closing right now. I remember. Being in church. This man came off the streets. Motorcycle rider. Came off the streets. A black man. Before Christ, you see him going down the road riding his motorcycle. Came in the church. He got baptized in Jesus' name. When he got baptized in Jesus' name, friend, he came in that water, water and he started shaking. He go, ah! He would do it just like that. Ah! He would shake the power of God ah! on him like that. Filled him, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. I'd be in church. I'd be sitting behind the man sometimes, 
And the word of God would go forth, and you would hear him go, ah! and he'd stand up, he'd get out of his pew, and he'd, ah! and he'd shake under the power of God right there in the middle of the service. And people started complaining about him doing that. It wasn't too long that that man backslid. And he went back to his old life. And last time I saw him, I saw him riding down the road on his Harley. Nothing wrong with a Harley. I'm saying he went back to his old life. You better stay like that. Hey, Jesus. Be zealous to repent. Be zealous to get in that water and get baptized in Jesus' name. Be zealous to be filled with the Holy Ghost. What you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Get in there. You're cold today. What are you waiting for? What is going to come in your life to make you get on fire? What's going to have to come in your life before you get on your knees? What are you going to have to lose before you value him? What are you going to have to lose to see how important he is? I'm telling you today, you don't have to. Just get Jesus. Get a hold of Jesus. Get full of Jesus. You don't have to. You, you have to lose sin. You have to lose sin. You have to quit preparing a table for devils. You have to get rid of hell out of your life. Yeah. But you know what? You shouldn't have that in your life anyway. You shouldn't. Destroying you. It's not good for you. Come on, somebody. Jesus, when he talks about commitment, he said, if your eye offend thee, pluck it out. If your arm offend thee, cut it off. Better to enter into life eternal, halt and blind, than whole in damnation fire. That's what Jesus said. That's how serious this is. This isn't a game. Stay on fire. Your pastor is never going to come to you and say, you're too radical in your worship. Your pastor is never going to tell you, you're too radical in your prayer life. Your pastor is never going to tell you to stop winning souls as much as you're winning souls. Your pastor is never going to tell you to not give sacrificially. Your pastor will never tell you that. He'll tell you to walk in order, but he won't tell you. Come on, somebody. To cool down. He'll tell you to fire up. <laughs> Try it in the fire. You're going to go through the fire if you're on fire. But when you go through the fire, you'll not be burned. Some through the water. Some through the flood. Some through the fire. But all through the blood. That's the old song. You're going to go through the fire. You're going to be tested. You're going to be 
You know why you got to go through fire like gold? Because you got to be purified. You've got to get the stuff, the impurities. God is going to take the impurities out of your life. And burn it out. What the water doesn't get in baptism, the baptism of fire will get it. give God some praise you need both baptisms a baptism of water and a baptism of fire and you said behold I stand at the door and knock if any man hear my voice and open the door I will come into him yeah and will sup with him and he with me I have fellowship To him that overcometh, you got to overcome the temptation to be carnal and lukewarm. You have to fight to not give in to the weakness of others. You have to create your own fire on the side of a shore so that you can take a serpent and cast that devil into the fire you created. If you have no fire, you cannot cast a devil in something you have not created. If there's no fire, you can't burn the letters of the Ephesians that Paul talked about in Acts 19. If there's no fire, you can't burn up the pornography in your life. Pornography will dominate you. If there's no fire, you can't get rid of devils out of your life. There's no fire of God's Spirit. Your flesh will burn with lust. Unquenchable. Never gets enough if you're not on fire for God. You've got to have a fire. When the devil comes around you, is so hot, he can't get close to you. When temptation, like the Ephesian letters, incantations and witchcraft and everything that was there in Ephesus, when it comes to you, you're so on fire, nothing gets a hold of you. Nothing gets a hold of you. It's not walking through life, and I'm closing, I promise you. It's not walking through life and saying, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to stop that. I'm going to quit this because I know that's not good for me, and I know I should not be doing that. Can I tell you something? You're wasting your time. Going through your life and taking inventory of everything you need to stop doing and quitting and all that, that's not going to do it. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take the fire of God's Spirit in you. It's going to take you being consumed with God. Consumed with His power. Guess what? When you get consumed with God and His power, you don't have to say, I'm going to quit that. Guess what? It automatically... It, there will be no place for it in your life when you get on fire for God. They will drop you like a hot potato. 
You won't have to stop hanging around those friends. They'll stop hanging around you because you're going to be a hot potato in their hands. You're going to be too hot to handle, man. You're going to be a live coal off the altar of God that's too hot for the angels to even handle. They had to take a tongue and put it on the lips of Isaiah the prophet. He was so hot. And what God was going to put in him and on him was so powerful that the angel couldn't even handle the fire. And when you get like that, you get so hot, man, you walk by hay and hay goes. You walk by stubble and stubble goes. You won't have to get, you won't even be able to touch it. If you can touch it, you're not hot enough. Oh, God. You can touch it. You can play around with it. You can, yeah, come on. You can play around with it. Yeah, well, yeah, should I? I know I shouldn't. Well, oh, no, come back over here. I'm going to hold you in my bosom. You cannot take it in your bosom and not be burned by it. That's what Proverbs says. You can't play around with it. It'll burn you. Or you'll become so on fire that you'll burn it. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. I'll do part two next week. I'm telling you the truth. You shut the cameras off. I'm telling you the truth. When you get on fire, everything that you know you shouldn't be doing is going to be burned up anyway. Things you're playing around with, holding in your bosom, it's burning you. That's the answer. Because I know people that have good intentions that they never perform because they don't have the fire and strength to do it. They don't have the fire to consume that in their life. They want to. They want to. Their mind wants to. Their heart wants to do what's right. Then why don't they? they know what's right and they know what's wrong then why don't they do what's right they can't without the fire of God's spirit they can't without a relationship I was taking Brother Mahaney to the, to the airport he just mentioned this in passing he said you know he said, the reason why people are where they are right now is because they have no prayer life. And he said, it's not just a few-minute prayer life that you need. He said to me, you have to fellowship Jesus. You have to fellowship Him. You have to get in a place where you're not thinking about time. And fellowship Him. Stay there till you, till you get a witness that you've moved into another dimension. You've moved beyond your flesh. you move beyond that temptation. You're with Jesus. And when you start fellowshipping Him instead of just praying, 
you will overcome the things in your life automatically. Have you, have you ever seen this in your own life? If you have not prayed, how much trouble you cause yourself concerning your walk with God? You got a problem with pride. You got a problem with your anger. You got a problem. Come on. Everything in your life is messed up and confused because you miss prayer. But have you also noticed that when you're praying and you're full of the Spirit and you walk out of that church, the whole day is changed. Everything that would have brought you down can't bring you down because you're full of Jesus. And the things that you normally say, I can't do that. Oh, I don't want, I, I know I'm not supposed to. Oh, oh, oh. And you run over there and grab it up and kiss it. Oh, okay. Whew. It's amazing when you're walking where you need to be in God. You don't even remember it. See, there's a, you know, you've heard that saying. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's not a Bible verse, but that is truth. There are a lot of people in hell today who knew what was right and wrong, who knew what they should have done but didn't do it. They knew it. They're in hell right now. They're burning. They're on fire. But they're not saved. You'll either get on fire now and be saved or you'll be in hell on fire and not saved. And everything you're holding on to right now, you can't take it with you to hell anyway. There's no smoking in hell. There's no drinking in hell. There's no adultery in hell. There's no fornication in hell. You can't take it with you. There's no gambling in hell. You know what they do in hell? They burned. They burn within themselves those that smoked in that life before they burn they still have the addiction in hell the man that drank himself into oblivion and thirst for liquor plagues him it burns in him Jesus is the answer He's the only one that can come in here and take out of me the gold tried in the fire. That can take out of me things that will take me into a place of burning. Not my made up my mind. Not that I made up my mind. Not that I, you know, I know what's right and wrong. That's not what we're talking about. That will never do it for you. That's what makes the difference between somebody that stays in church and somebody that don't. person that walked out on God knew exactly what they were supposed to be doing knew they were wrong when they what they when they did what they did they knew it man they weren't ignorant they knew it you have to go tell them where they went wrong they know where they went wrong relationship passion for Jesus fire full of the spirit being led by the spirit that's what it's all about and I hear the Holy Ghost today 
that if you and I will listen to this word and act on it, not just hear it, but act on it. Get on fire for Jesus. Get full of the Spirit. If you've not been baptized in His name yet, don't wait. There's no reason for you to wait. Get on fire for God and the things you're struggling with. Holiness will be easy. Not hard. Easy. Easy. If you live hard for God, it'll be easy. But if you try to live easy for God, it'll be hard. Oh, yeah. I see, I got about three hours in me. But I'm going to let you go home today. And I pray the word of God that's been preached will get a hold of your heart. And if you will act, live this and act on this word, you won't have to worry about backsliding. You won't even be considering backsliding. You won't even be close to backsliding. You won't be walking the edge in no man's land, neutral with Jesus, if you'll act on this word. You won't even be close to the world. You know why? Because you'll be so on fire, the world's going to say, Woo, man, what's got to hold a sister? What has got to hold a brother? Man, when they started going to that church, hmm. Since they got religion, they're completely different. <laughs> well, no, what they had before was religion. What they got now is Jesus. See? And they don't know what to do with you. And so they're not going to hang with you. The devil don't want nothing to do with you, you know, if you're on fire. Your old buddies don't want nothing to do with you. Oh, come on. I know. I know what I'm talking about. Just look at the people they hang around with. Just look at the people they hang around with. They start getting comfortable around this, the, the person who lives in sin. Who lives a godless lifestyle. They start hanging out with them. They enjoy their company. I'm not talking. Listen. You know where I'm going here. I don't have to explain it, do I? I'm talking about where they are spiritually. I'm not telling you not have any, any, any friends in the world. I'm talking about... You hanging out with them because you like what they do. You like what they smoke. You like what they drink. You like where they go. You like the music they listen to. You like what they stand for. And because of that, that's why you're hanging out with them. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Because when you're on fire, you know what? They should be following you to church. They say, man, I want what you got. I want what you have. Never seen anything like that. Never seen anybody on fire for Jesus. I have never heard of anybody going to church three times a week. Man. Sunday morning and Sunday night too. Man, you got, you got religion. Pray in the morning too before you go to, go to work. Go 
the crusade, go to revivals, and you even give your tithes and offerings. That's a miracle. Come on, come on. It's still early. It's still early. In that crusade, we had a man get full of the fire of God in his spirit. Need to pray for him. Need to pray for him. I don't see him this morning. Pray for him. You know what I'm talking about. He got full of spirit. First thing he did, you know what he did? First thing he did after getting prayed through the power of the God, getting baptized, he pulls out his wallet, $200. He said, here's my tithes, Pastor. First thing he did. He said, I've been saving this. First thing he did. You know when a person gets God. <laughs> yeah. Brother Dice used to say this, when a man is really saved, he'll bring his tithes to God. So I looked at that man. I said, you know what? You're, really, you're saved. He said, I said, yeah, you're saved. My mentor told me that when a man is really saved, he brings his tithes to God. And that's the first thing he See, there's something burning in him. He can't wait to give. He can't wait to do. He can't wait to be a servant in the kingdom. But when you start getting cold or lukewarm, oh, it's harder to write that check, honey. Oh, I'm preaching. I'm not going to stop till I get through. I'm not going to stop till I get through. It's hard to write that check when you're lukewarm. God have mercy. But when you're on fire, it's easy. Yeah. Ooh. What else can I give? How much more can I give? Check your life out. Check yourself out. Find out where you are. If it's hard to write the check you used to write with ease, you're lukewarm. Got quiet, didn't it? Now, see, I'm hitting you where you live. Right here. Right here. Hitting you where you live. Right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is real practical now, isn't it? Too practical for you? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We gave that $10,000 offering to Brother Edmonds. I'd say probably 95% of you were on fire excited about that. But there's a couple of lukewarm ones that are worried. They're calculating. They're figuring. They're in the flesh. But you know what was good about that? Us giving the 10000 to Brother Edmonds and 15 more on the way when we sell that property. You know what's good about that? Is so that especially some of the newer ones that are coming in can see. What it's like to be a giver. It's not pulling a five dollar bill out and throwing it in a plate. It's saying if God says, hey, if he wants ten thousand dollars out of your account, that's just about all you got. You write the check. I said you write the check. You know why? Because you have a passion. You have a passion, a love, a fire. You enjoy it. It's a blessing to be able to do that. When you're on fire, you'd vacuum this church. 
Now it's, oh, that's good enough. Wrap the cord. I mean, you didn't even finish the building. You didn't even vacuum the dude, man. You went down one strip. Looks pretty clean. Don't see no dirt over there. No, don't see no paper in this aisle. Okay, that's good. Wrap the thing up, and out the door you went. When you're on fire, you went in the bathrooms and you scrubbed the toilets and you mopped the floors. Come on, somebody. And you sang while you were doing it. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Oh, praise God for the opportunity. Oh, God, I get to clean your house, God. I get to mow that yard, God. I get to paint that room, God. But when you start getting lukewarm, then you start hiding. And you're so deceived, you think you're hit, you're really hiding, you know? Everybody can see you. We know where you are, sister, brother. We know where you are. Hallelujah. Yes. Oh, God, I'm fixing to get on some people. You like to stand in the pulpit and lead songs and lead worship and preach and all that stuff or stand in the choir, sing, be up front. Uh, we call a work day. Ooh, we're not going to see you. Ah. Oh, I'm preaching now. I'm preaching. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Some of you got a disease. Lazy. Ricky, you know, we was putting up that tent. Ricky over here in the back. He, he said, now, Pastor, he said, if you need my help, he said, you call me. Okay. He told me that two days in a row. So you call me. I want to help you. Whatever you need me to do, I'll be there. But you know what? I was away from the phone, so I never got to call him. I never got to call him. Because I was so busy. But the man. See, something's happening in a man and a woman who's got enough God that says, Hey, I'm not going to hide from you. Here I am. I'm available, man. Come get me. See, it's not just about, you know, this. It is that. It's not about pulling your tin and dropping it in the plate and saying you're done with your service to God. Let everybody else clean. Let everybody else do all the work. I'm a giver. <laughs> that really cost you, didn't it? But we're on fire, right? We're on fire. I love you. Lord bless you. But we must be needing this all I know because the Holy Ghost is really on me right now. We must need this right now. Amen. Mm -hmm. You know what Brother Edmonds told me? He said, Brother Carter, he said, when I became Brother Dice's assistant pastor in California. He said, Brother Dice called me up on the telephone. The first day he was an assistant. He said, Brother Edmonds, Brother Dice talking, Brother Edmonds, come over here. He said, I got some stuff for you to do. He put a toilet cleaner in his hand. And he took Brother Edmonds, the missionary to Taiwan that you'll hear tonight. 
And he took that man and he said, clean my toilet. His household toilet. Not the church toilet. His household toilet. Clean my toilet. Brother Evans cleaned his toilet. When he got through, Brother Evans got through. Brother Dice took him out. There was a table out there in his yard covered with old paint. Brother Evans said, thick paint. Brother Dice said, I want you to take all that paint off that table. I want you to even get the paint out of the cracks. So Brother Evans went at it. And he cleaned that table. And he cleaned that table. And he cleaned that table. And the whole time, he had a good spirit. He said, I had a good spirit the whole time. He said, that blew Brother Dice's mind. The kind of attitude I had when I cleaned his toilet. The kind of attitude I had when I chipped the paint off the table. Well, Brother Evans is a true man of God. See? True man of God. I'm asking you. I'm asking you today. See, we love, we love to talk. We love the upfront stuff. We love to be seen of men. But can we have enough of God that when we're cleaning toilets and when we're chipping paint, we have a right spirit? We're, we feel blessed to be able to do it. Are we complaining about it? You know, are you hearing what I'm trying to say today? Listen, church, I'm not trying to get more out of you. That's not the point here. If you don't do it, somebody's going to. I'm just telling you. So I'm not trying to get more out of, it, out of you. I'm trying to get you to see where you walk in reality. We don't need big shots. We don't need the big showy people. We need people who walk with Jesus in sincerity. That do whatever it takes to see his kingdom furthered. Nothing. They're not beneath. You know what I'm saying? They're not above anything. They're willing to do anything for God's kingdom. And I want the young men, these young men that are called to preach, I want you to listen to me this morning. Standing behind this pulpit don't make you a man of God. That's not where you get your character. It's not when you stand by here. It's not when you've prepared your mess and you come and stand behind this pulpit and preach. That what, that's not what makes you powerful. It's what you do behind the scenes that makes you powerful. That's what makes you powerful. And when you stand in this pulpit, there's anointing and there's weight to what you say because of your character. And that's why when I hear true men of God preach, I hear Brother Edmonds preach from Taiwan, I'm moved because the character of the man, the spirit of the man. You hearing me today? That's awesome. That's what we need in the church of the living God. We need character. Character. Yes. Oh, come over here. I'll slap you. No, no, I won't slap you. <laughs> I don't think. Don't try me. <laughs> I love y'all. Y'all are awesome. Y'all really are awesome, church. Okay? But we got a long ways to go. Okay? And we all need a little nudging every once in a while. Because <laughs> we get confused.
about what's important, you know. I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I have needed nothing. Man, I'm powerful in God. Yeah, yeah, you are. You can be. God wants you to be. Come on! Lord, why are you getting on me this morning? If you're called to a ministry or called a preacher, whatever, whatever ministry it is, you know what? The people that you fellowship with are going to listen to you when you're up here or somewhere ministering to them when they see you working beside them. They don't care to hear anything you got to say if you're not working beside them. You're not in the trenches. You're not laboring. You're not sweating. You're not bloody. You're not dirty. In fact, your preacher don't want to hear nothing you got to say. Empty. It's empty. No passion behind it. It's a show. Anybody can put on a show. Anybody can write a book. Anybody can sing a song. I can write a song. That's neither. You know, your pastor wrote a song one time. I wrote a song. Hallelujah. <laughs> I wrote a song. You sang it too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's on, I think it's on tape. Didn't y'all record it? It's recorded. I wrote a song and they recorded it. Hallelujah. You know, if I can write a song, anybody can write a song. God happened to give me this song, you know. Okay, he gave it to me. I was singing it the other day. The role of the sanctified. Yeah, that powerful song, man. It's going to the top, the charts. I just know it. I just know it, man. It's going to the top of the chart. No, I'm not fooling myself. I'm not an idiot. Lord. I'm, it's in the machine, too. Wow. In the, you mean the one we play? Oh. Well, praise the Lord. Somebody, maybe you'll, you'll play it sometime and put my big old name up here. And say, Pastor wrote this. Do you understand that anybody can write a book? Anybody can preach a message? Anybody can sing a song? Do you understand that? Laodicea does it all the time. Laodicea talent performs every week. Laodicea preachers preach every weekend. Do not gauge yourself by your ability to write a song, write a book, sing a song, or preach a message. Because if you start doing that, then you will deceive your own selves. Amen. Y'all love me? No, I'm not beating you up. I love you. I, you I'm your pastor. I'm your, I'm your friend. I'm not your buddy. But I'm your friend, okay? I'm your friend. I love you. I'm just telling you the truth because I sense, you know, sometimes in all of us, woo, we got this movie star mentality. 
You know what I'm saying? Man, the movie stars claim to be Christians. Got these big old crosses on her. You know that woman? She got it all buttoned down to here, you know? Got the cross right in between them. I'm in love with Jesus. Praise the Lord. See? Wake up, America. Wake up, church. I'm blessed to God. I got billions of dollars, you know. You know, I'm a movie star. See, look how pretty I am. No clothes. Got my cross around my neck. Yeah, you're a Christian. Uh-uh, honey. You're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. I say you're not a Christian. You're a professor, but you're not a Christian. I still got some time. I'm going to let you at 1230 at 1221. Somebody told a pastor one time of a large, large church. He said, I would go to that church, but there's too many hypocrites in it. There's too many hypocrites in that church. And that pastor says, oh no, there's no hypocrites in the church of God. Really? There's no hypocrites in the church of God? Yeah, because you cannot be in God's church and be a hypocrite. So there are no hypocrites in God's church. If you're God's church today, you cannot be a hypocrite. There are no hypocrites in God's church. There are no adulterers in God's church. There are no fornicators in God's church. Because you can't continue to live in fornication and adultery and shack up together and be in God's church. That's a lie. That's why I'm telling you they're not Christians. Are you with me? I'm trying to help you this morning. Big old successful people, man, they got, you know, they got jewelry all the way up to their elbow. I'm talking about men jewelry around the neck you know man blind you <laughs> you know what I'm saying now show, listen to what I'm, what I'm talking about here they say I'm a Christian I love Jesus and then so what they do is they send a message to everybody else that this is what a Christian is like Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? We got preachers, you know. They're preaching in America today. Have churches with 10,000 people. 20,000 people. 25,000 people. And because of that, that's the way, that's the, that's how you're supposed to be as a preacher. Oh, no, 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 no. You need to get in a book, honey, and you need to start preaching the word of the living God. But the church, that church of the living God, can be messed up and confused when they see outward success. You're rich. You say, I'm rich and increased with good and have need of nothing. You don't know you're blind, wretched, miserable. Are you hearing what I'm trying? I'm trying to get to your heart today. 
so we start talking like them. We start acting like them. We start dressing like them. Because we've got an image in our mind. Get in the book of Revelation. Read Revelation 2 and 3. Find out what Jesus says to seven churches. Next week, I'm going to finish the seventh church. And you're going to be blessed. So I'm going to show you some awesome things. Okay? I didn't even get out of the church this morning. But I'm going to take you to the kingdom parables. I'm going to take you to the seventh day of creation. I'm going to show you Adam and Eve. And I'm going to show you the parallels there. And I'm going to show you the kingdom parable and the, the dragnet and all of that. And I'm going to show you that next week. And I'm going to show you some very powerful things. Okay? I'm going to show you the church in the tribulation period by this church right here. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you Jesus speaking the same words in the book of Revelation right, right smack dab in the middle of the tribulation period that he said to that church right there. I'm going to prove it to you. Okay? So we're going to be blessed. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Just going along with the Spirit today. Oh boy, this is real good, isn't it? Tell me if I'm wrong that a woman can bear her breast and wear a cross and be a Christian and sing the filth that they sing. It's a mockery to Christ. If you're... Mm, some of you got that stuff in your houses, in your cars. You listen to that filth. You're not a Christian. You can't be listening to that rap stuff. Talking about illicit sex and pornography and using filthy language. Filthy language. Person, you're God and you claim to be a Christian you're not a Christian you're not a Christian if you can listen to that filth you're not a Christian people say well that's a little bit too far I got four minutes. Come on, man. You got posters on your wall of the rappers and all these people. And you claim to be a Christian. You wonder why your children are in rebellion against you. Because you let them listen to rock and roll music. That's why. You let them do what? Please, I love you. Listen to me very carefully. If some of you, I'm telling you, some of you women, some of you mothers, don't get a hold of your young daughters, you will not like the direction they go with their life. I'm talking about 10, 11-year-old daughters today. They're heading the wrong direction because you're letting them go the wrong direction. You're giving them the wrong message about a Christian. You feel like that, well, you know, we're in a holiness church, so I kind of got to be careful with my children. No, no, you don't, friend. 
you, you, you show them how to live holy. You show them how to dress holy. You train them as what to listen and what to not listen to and, and what kind of friends are appropriate and what kind of friends are not appropriate and what things at school is appropriate to participate in and what things in a school that are not appropriate to participate. You've got to put that in your children. If you don't, they're going to grow up and be whores and whoremongers and drug dealers and gang members. And if they walk in your room and you're rapping down with the latest rap song, you don't think that they're not going to rap down? They're going to rap down, man. Things got to change, man. They got to change. Our world is lost right now without Jesus. And the church is not doing a very good job of showing them Jesus and Christianity. Father, I thank you right now for this opportunity to talk to your people. Let me just bear my heart today, God. Lord, we have begun the race. And I fear, Lord God, that with time it will drop out of the race. Losing our passion. Help us examine our lives today, each one of us, Lord. Apply the Word of God that's been preached to our hearts. I'm thankful today that you would come to the church of Laodicea with an offer of mercy. Repent was your offer of mercy. Give us a chance, Lord. You gave us the opportunity today to repent from some stuff in our lives that are not right. Lord, I pastor men who are going to be awesome in you, God. Awesome men for the kingdom. Awesome preachers of the word. Let them understand, God, the importance of character. What they do in the secret time of their life. Pastor, awesome women, Lord, here. If it wasn't for them, Father, there'd be no church in Bible Center Fellowship. I pray, Lord, that you'll encourage those that are discouraged. those God that need to draw near to you would hear this word obey it act on it do something with it thank you Lord the things that I struggle with and we struggle with Lord that by your awesome passion awesome fire and passion for you and your kingdom that those things that have taken our attention and distracted us away from you. Right this moment, Lord, have become insignificant. 
ask you to forgive me personally, Father. I lift you up in praise. There's nothing more important right now, God, than that I draw near to you. Nothing, nothing. I, I just invite you, give you an opportunity. You don't have to come to the altar. If you want to, you may. But I invite you just to talk to the Lord right now. I can't pray your prayer for you. And just talk to him a little bit. Oh, they're all through this house right now. Brother Andy, would you give me some music, please? Father, we're in the last days. We're in the last hours. There are things, Father, that are even not seen. Eating. 